Good afternoon, Acadiana. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with you all today, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. You can also uh, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and on Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show if you want to reach out to me via social media. Last night, if you watched it, a State of the Union address. It was a historic State of the Union address. It was the first State of the Union speech given to Americans written entirely by pollsters. Every talking point in that speech was specifically selected from a series of talking points that were tested by pollsters to see what would land with American voters. And as a result, what you got was a disjointed, confusing, and unbelievable, and I don't mean that in like an awesome way, but as a simply you cannot believe, speech. Biden's speech was kind of parabolic. It, it started up with Ukraine it went down on the highly partisan stuff, and then he tried to end up uh, at the end with his whole unifying thing. The problem is a lot of what he wants us to unify behind was the very stuff that he has been attacking Republicans and Democrats, uh, Republicans and moderate Democrats with since his administration started. So he goes, he, he starts with the Ukraine part of the speech, which is fine. It's the biggest thing happening in the world right now. He had applause from Republicans and Democrats. And he goes from there straight into an attack on the Trump's tax, the, the Trump tax cuts with the lie that it only benefited the top 1%, which is a lie that's been disproven. All the experts say that is a lie, but the Democrats hold on to that talking point. He continues by calling on Congress to pass a dead on arrival, a, a dead in the water agenda. It's not even, it's arrived and it's dead. There is no passing Build Back Better. There is no passing the Green New Deal. None of this stuff is going to pass the U.S. Senate. And it was this part of the speech that really, really riled up moderate Democrats. You'll notice Joe Manchin sat with Republicans last night. He's not even welcome in his own party, and he doesn't want to be associated with his party right now. But it's more than that. It's not just the party itself, but Joe Biden himself is not really all that loved in his own party. That's why there were two separate Democrats giving responses to his speech last night. That's why Beto O'Rourke, who, in by the way, yesterday, Texas had elections all over the state. Beto O'Rourke won the Democratic nomination for governor against Greg Abbott. And Beto O'Rourke has already said he doesn't want Biden and Kamala Harris coming in to campaign with him. He wants them off his campaign trail. Nothing that Biden said last night is going to win any new support. What Biden said last night was all bait for left-leaning and hard-left voters. It was all stuff to get them excited. Biden offered Americans a vision of what they've already rejected. And you can say, oh, well, Build Back Better is popular. But if you go in and you ask specifically some of the things that are in Build Back Better, voters reject that. And overall, the Biden agenda has been tanking. The polling is not getting any better. A lot of times 
in an election year, the State of the Union address is when a president goes in and they basically reset. They reset the chessboard ahead of an important election like a midterm election. Last night, Biden offered no reset. All he did was plug Green New Deal and Build Back Better ideas that have been largely rejected by politicians and by Americans. There were no real olive branches there. He wanted unity, but he has not apologized for calling Republicans and conservative racists. He has not apologized for uh, getting rid of non-vaccinated military servicemen. He has not apologized for any of the things that his administration has done to actually make any of the crises that his administration has faced any better. Biden offered nothing of real substance. All he did was offer talking points that polled well in his base. That's not a reset, and that's not leadership. That is Biden trying to salvage his administration's popularity, an administration that is currently in the 30s in approval rating. There is a double-digit gap between his approval and disapproval, and approval's not up in any poll that you see. If you go to Real Clear Politics, and I use Real Clear Politics all the all the time, uh, because it's not just looking at the polls. Polls can be misleading. In fact, I want to get to that in the next segment. But the polling trends. If you look at where the trends are, let's see. Most recently, you have Economist YouGov. Uh, that is an I believe that's an online poll. Those and, and those are registered voters, so very unlikely. That's at, that's got his uh, approval at 44 and his disapproval at 49. Rasmussen has him at negative 14. Uh, Reuters Ipsos has him at negative 11. So other than this Economist YouGov poll, and those are not very accurate usually, the trend is holding up. Double-digit spread between approval and disapproval, and he is down. He is very, very far down. His average right now, is a 13.6 spread, 40.7% approve of his agenda, 54.3% disapprove of his agenda. Biden, last night, had a chance to really reset and to come out and say, we're going to work together. I invite you to come to the table. I invite you to bring your ideas to the table because we have to fix things. And instead, he offered ideas like, hey, let's put charging stations all across America to combat high fuel prices. You want to fight inflation? Why don't you stop cutting wages and start lowering your costs? Because the Biden administration has proven, like most Democratic administrations, they don't understand how business actually works. 232-1542. When we come back, one poll in particular I've got to bring up. It was a response poll to the State of the Union address last night and the ridiculous numbers that come out of it from CBS. We'll have all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today this Ash Wednesday. Hope you guys have uh, take it, have started your Lenten penance. And uh, if you, if you uh, believe that way, if you are Catholic, uh, hope you guys are, 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 hope you've been able to make it to Mass today and have begun uh, your Lenten fast and your Lenten penance. I know we have at my house, and uh, 
it's very unfair of Joe Biden to have his speech last night and for today, the reaction day, be a day when my Lenten penance of being a better person uh, is supposed to take effect, and so I'm not allowed to be as mean as I want to be about this speech. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. So last night, uh, or, or overnight, CBS, YouGov, drop a poll. Now, YouGov does online polling, so it's not very accurate. But CBS YouGov drop a, a poll uh, uh, on speech washers of the State of the Union. Now, in CBS's credit, the people most likely to watch this speech were probably people in the media who were largely Democrats and Joe Biden supporters who were largely Democrats. And the poll showed, the, the, the poll that uh, CBS was pushing, the poll results say that most people uh, were okay. Well, they, the, the, the speech made them feel optimistic. Um, the problem with this poll, let me give you some numbers from here. Uh, let's see. Cur uh, generally speaking, how do you think of yourself? 49% Democrat. 28% Independent. 21% Republican, 2% not sure. So Democrats overwhelmingly overrepresented in this poll. Well, I'm, again, to be fair to CBS, most of the people watching it were people in the media and they're largely Democrats. But in general, you can't say that it's an accurate outlook. You can't say a majority of Americans felt optimistic after the speech if your sample is only of, of Republicans is about half of the Republicans that are in the U, that are in the U.S. It, it's very weird. And what's more, if you don't look at party affiliation in general, would you describe your, how would you describe your political viewpoints? Sixteen percent very liberal, twenty five percent somewhat liberal, thirty three percent moderate, fifteen percent somewhat conservative, seven percent very conservative. So. Liberals were very, very overrepresented in this poll. It is not a poll worth giving. I mean, it, you, you don't share these kind of poll results. You don't make this look like a valid poll if that's your, if that's your sample group. Because what you've done is you have basically said, we're only really polling Democrats. And most Democrats felt optimistic after the speech. That's what they're saying with this poll, which is kind of a given. Now, the thing about the State of the Union address is that it doesn't really matter. In the grand scheme of things, the State of the Union address never matters. It's a news event. It is the definition of a newsworthy event. The President of the United States gives a speech not just to Congress, but to all Americans. But at the same time, Everybody forgets about what was in the speech by Friday. I mean, if you look at you know, today, the, the headlines are already starting to wind down today. By tomorrow, we're going to be talking very little about it. And by Friday, we're not going to be mentioning it at all. Joe Biden's State of the Union address was not world-shattering. It did not break new ground, and it did not offer his administration or the Democratic Party any sort of reset. The Democrats are still going to be Democrats, and you know what's even worse about it 
is that yesterday, leading up to this, do you know what was on the minds of Democratic senators? Passing an extreme abortion bill. All but one U.S. senator voted in favor of an abortion bill that would legalize abortion or that would codify Roe versus Wade up to the point that a child has fully left the birth canal, has, has been fully uh, birthed. When do you think abortion should be banned? 15 weeks? 20 weeks? When the child is starting to enter the birth canal? When the child's head is out? What about torso? What if even just the feet remain? Should abortion be legal then? The Democrats voted yesterday. 49 Democratic senators voted yesterday to make abortion legal up until the child has fully left the birth canal. Interestingly, one of those Democrats is a reverend, Raphael Warnock, who is up for re-election in a, what's going to be a tight re-election bid in Georgia. He voted for this. The Democrats, with everything going on right now, have decided that they want to focus again on Roe versus Wade. They're going to be, they're, they're starting this, this now. The Democrats see what's going to happen in June. The Supreme Court will be issuing its decision on the uh, abortion case out of Mississippi, I think it was. And that particular case has the potential to amend or completely overturn Roe versus Wade. And that has the Democrats in a panic. Because that's one of their sacred cows. You don't mess with abortion. The Democrats have linked abortion to women's health care, completely ignoring the actual life of the child. And they are so concerned with what the Supreme Court is going to do that yesterday, on the day of the State of the Union address, at a time when the Democrats are polling negatively in every category, what did they want to do? What do they think is the right message? Let's vote to kill a child up until they fully leave the birth canal. They have nothing else. The identity politics hasn't worked. If you look at the uh, election turnout from yesterday that I mentioned, El Paso, Texas, where Beto O'Rourke is from, Hispanic turnout in the Democratic primary there was down over 10 points. It went from 80-something percent a few years ago to now 70 percent last night. Along the border in Texas, Hispanic turnout in the Democratic primary was down. What you may or may not remember is that a lot of immigrants into the country, particularly at our southern border, are here. And a lot of Hispanic families are here because their families fled socialists. The same socialist policies that the Democratic Party is now espousing. What's more... Hispanic families tend to be pretty religious. And abortion is not something that those religious families particularly care for. So the Democrats 
constantly are stepping in it with Hispanic and Latino voters. Last night's speech did nothing to help that. There is nothing that Joe Biden has said or done since he took office to win back those votes, which started fleeing when during the 2020 election. Donald Trump actually got higher Hispanic support than ever would have previously been predicted for him. But he got it. The Democrats have started chasing it away. Right now, Joe Biden has the, or last night he had the chance to reunify the country and really issue a reset and really try to moderate his views and moderate his policies in a way that could bring Democrats and Republicans to the table and at the very least make it more likely that it would be the Republicans' fault if something got stopped in Congress. But because he is going as extreme progressive as he is and did in his speech last night, he's not getting those moderates back either. And he's not getting those Hispanic voters back either. They're going to continue to play these cheap political games because they have nothing else. Nothing else that they're going to win on. 232-1542, we're going to take a bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, Representative Lauren Boebert interrupted Biden's speech last night and is getting a ton of media uh, uh, criticism about it. But why did she do it? We have to talk about that. All that and your calls here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to call in 232-1542, take part in the conversation. So today, after the State of the Union address, do you know what people are talking about, what the media is really wanting to focus in on? Not Joe Biden, but Representative Lauren Boebert who during the speech last night yelled uh, about the 13 servicemen killed in Afghanistan. Biden, during the speech, mentioned the great success of the Afghanistan withdrawal, and that was it. But he didn't want to mention the fact that 13 servicemen were killed in a terror attack outside of the airport. He didn't want to mention the fact that We still have Americans trapped there. He didn't want to mention any of the negatives surrounding. He wants to paint it as a success when really you go and look at the numbers. Biden's popularity started to plummet during and after the Afghanistan withdrawal. Some of you may not like what I'm about to say, and I apologize, except not really. But I don't think she should have interrupted the speech like that. I, I, I'm kind of, I believe in the whole decorum thing. Um, this, that is the president's speech. And he is giving it. And then you go out to the cameras afterwards and you say, what about this, this, and this? But the fact of the matter is, had she not done it, the media wouldn't be explaining why she did it. So in the process of breaking this decorum, which again, I'm, I'm not endorsing in any way, but because she did it, the media now has to admit that Joe Biden completely glossed over the utter disaster that was the Afghanistan withdrawal. The, prim- the, the, the primary issue is that 
Biden has a legacy of failure and abandonment. His problem is that he commits to these terrible ideas and then abandons them halfway through. Afghanistan's a perfect example, and that's what she was upset about last night. I listened to an interview that she did earlier today. That's why it's fresh on my mind. But the media has been all over her about it. But she was right. If she didn't bring it up during the speech, everybody would be ignoring it right now. Because her coming out of the speech and then talking to the press afterwards would not have the same impact. And we do need to talk about Afghanistan because there are still Americans and our allies who are trapped in Afghanistan. There are Americans and allies who are trapped in Ukraine as Putin continues his bombardment. Earlier, uh, some breaking news earlier, uh, the port city of Kherson falls to Russia, and that is the first major city in Ukraine to be captured. The Russians' attacks are amplifying. Biden has a history of failure. He has essentially abandoned Ukraine by not going after Russian energy exports. He abandoned Build Back Better. I don't know if you recall, but he he stopped talking about it up, up until last night. He abandoned the voting rights. He never once pushed for that. He never gave any sort of real verbal backing to the, the Voting Rights Act the Democrats wanted to pass. He never really touted that. He, he talked about civil rights. And he talked about the right to vote and all this. And then he shut up. He never said anything about the bill itself. He's talked about the Green New Deal. Never has really done anything about it. He gets these ideas. He puts them out there. And then halfway through, he abandons them. He has abandoned talking about Afghanistan. He's abandoned dealing with Afghanistan in any way, despite the fact that we still have people over there. And the fact that 13 Americans died in a terror attack as we were trying to evacuate folks. Biden's legacy of abandonment and of failure is going to continue to drag him down through the rest of his administration, which, as of right now, looks like it will be blissfully short. It will be one term. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. want to switch gears to uh, some statewide stuff. It, it, this part does pertain to Biden a little bit. The Biden administration is trying to ban transporting liquefied natural gas by train all over the country. It's a rule they passed back in November, but now it's really starting to take effect. You either use pipelines to transport natural gas, or you use rail cars. The Biden administration has all but declared war on pipelines. And they're also writing rules to make it really difficult to get approval to transport liquefied natural gas via rail car. Here in the state of Louisiana, our Attorney General Jeff Landry has, uh, has started to build a coalition of attorneys general from across the nation to fight this rule. This is from KTBS.com. 
Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry is leading a coalition of 25 states in opposition to a proposed federal rule to ban natural gas transport by rail car, arguing the decision drives up energy costs and threatens national security. And he's right about that, because energy costs will go up. But our dependence on foreign energy is a national security threat. Russia is able to get away with what it's getting away with because we have to buy energy from them and they use that money to fund their war effort. Russia would not be able to get as much money as it's getting if, you, if the U.S. was a net exporter of energy, if we were energy independent and we were providing energy to our allies in Western Europe. But we can't do that when you have climate change freaks and that's what they are. They they are beyond. They're beyond religious fanatics. They are they are straight up climate change fetishists, almost. So obsessed with the climate change fear that they get rid of um, of one of our easiest ways to maintain our own national security, which is to be energy independent. So now Russia can sell its energy to us and we can't stop buying energy from him because it cripples our economy further. We get, as of right now, we get enough energy from Russia that if we were to cut them off, it would raise the price of the pump another 10 cents or more. It would severely impact Americans. Going back to this story, Landry wrote a letter to Tristan Brown, acting administrator of the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration, targeting a rule proposed by the Biden administration in November that would suspend authorization to transport liquefied natural gas by rail tank cars. The authorization granted in a final rule in August of 2020 permits specifically designed tank cars to transport LNG, but the proposed rule in November would negate that permission over concerns about increased greenhouse gases, worker safety, environmental risks, and, quote-unquote, environmental justice. At the same time, the Biden administration is also blocking an extension of a nuclear power plant in Florida over environmental concerns. Nuclear energy is the cleanest energy out there. By blocking that and by shutting it down, they're going to force Florida to go back to fossil fuels and hurt the economy and hurt the climate and hurt the environment more go that way. But the Biden administration doesn't care. They are so scared of these things. They rule by fear. They are so scared of these things, so scared of climate change, so scared of what successful industry might do if they just use fossil fuels that they have to restrict everything and it's going to hurt you and me. 232-1542, a quick break. When we come back, I have to talk about this, uh, this education bill being put forward by Lance Harris. It was in this morning's news. We'll talk about that and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. So this morning, uh, Ian Ozan, doing the morning news, mentions this story uh, Representative Lance Harris uh, has a bill out. I think it's House Bill uh, House Bill seventy five something uh, that will force teachers to post their lesson plans online. 
And in the process of finding the story to be able to talk about today, I come across uh, KSLA. And uh, their interview yesterday with Harris indicates that he has an amendment that is currently being worked on that would explicitly state this does not apply to lesson plans, but to curricula and the like, which is an improvement. But the curricula is already posted online. You can find it at Louisiana Believes. You can go in, you can search for the subject, you can find all the documentation you need for the standards, the general curricular outline. The only thing that you that the school districts really need to provide is public access to what specific textbook is being used. But due to copyright law and everything like that, you can't post that online. It was insane to expect teachers to post their lesson plans publicly at the beginning of the year. Now, some teachers were complaining, oh, well, this means we have to work during the summer, blah, blah. Teachers are working during the summer. Not as much, but as you gear up, as you get ready for the beginning of the school year, there is work that you put in. A lot of teachers do go in and they do start their planning and everything, but they don't get the full year planned out in that level of detail. You can't actually do lesson plans that far in advance because things change. Now, I'm all for transparency in what's being taught in the classroom. I am a teacher. I believe that 100%. If a parent emails me and says, what are you teaching my kids? I will gladly send them the documentation. If I have to post it online, I will. But the level of pre-planning that would go into getting all of your weekly lesson plans done at the beginning of the year does not take into account several things. First of all, hurricane season, which completely shuts down schools across the state for multiple days out of the year. It does not take into account, like we just experienced, a pandemic. Maybe we won't see another 100-year pandemic anytime soon, but you could see a really nasty flu season. In fact, you know, we I have a daughter who's got the flu right now, and we had to look at different pharmacies to try to find Tamiflu, try to find the right antivirals for her. Because the flu is kicking up a lot. COVID numbers are down. We're not even talking about COVID-19 other than masks. And that's at the national level. But the flu is going around right now. It's knocking kids out. In a particularly bad flu year, you can see schools shut down from that. That disrupts your lesson plans. If you want teachers to post their lesson plans online publicly, that's not actually that hard a rule. You just tell Bessie to come up with a rule, and Bessie would come up with a rule that says you need to have one to two weeks of lesson plans posted ahead of time publicly for your parents to access. A lot of schools and a lot of school districts already make this the case. You can go online to a teacher's website and find the lesson plans already. I'm not opposed to this. I'm not opposed to making parents aware of some of the things that are taught in some classrooms. That's not the issue here. The issue here is that lawmakers who have no experience with what goes on inside a classroom writing these laws without talking to teachers. I know I'm not the only conservative teacher out there. There are conservative teachers in every district. It's not that difficult for you to go out and find them and talk to them and say, hey, we want to increase transparency in the classroom. What have you got? I want teachers to post their lesson plans publicly. How, what, what would be acceptable? And most teachers would say, well, we have to turn them in on a weekly or biweekly basis anyway. 
Why not just put it? Why not just make it a rule? Don't make it a law. Don't make it something that that's that serious. But but make it a rule that Bessie has make it a law that Bessie has to come up with the rules pertaining to how teachers publicly make available their lesson plans. That's not that difficult a thing to do. We're going to get into education fights more and more. The education issue in America right now is probably one of the hottest topics out there. Ukraine is kind of rolling over everything right now, so we're not talking about education as much. And the economy is an issue. But what's one of the things, what's one of the topics that are within parents' control that parents really care about? Education. Parents can't control what is or isn't on the grocery store shelves. They can't control inflation. They can't control what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. But they can control where their kids go to school and what's happening in their kids' schools. They can play a part in that. So teachers who are conservative need to contact their legislators when they see this type of law being put forward and say, hey, I like what you're doing normally, but you need to be careful about this. You need to be aware of this. You need to know that it is impossible to plan for a full year because of weather, because of sickness, because of students' needs. If you have a class that's completely bombed a test, you've got to go back and reteach that material. That's going to affect your lesson plans. But you need to actually reach out and talk to teachers about this. I wish that legislators would do that more. Again, there are plenty of conservative teachers in the state. You can find them in your district's legislators. And I will help you reach out if you're listening and you need help finding them. But you can't just sit there and write these rules and and put all these new demands on teachers, especially after the last two and a half years that teachers have been through. I'm not saying that just to be whiny and say that life's unfair. I'm telling you, it's been genuinely hard on teachers across the state, across the country. And you can't throw some new rules, some new requirements, some new regulation out there on teachers without knowing what it is that teachers have to do in the first place regarding that topic. If Lance Harris wants to make lesson plans transparent, I'm all for it. I'd be glad to help them come up with the ideas. But to simply say all your lesson plans and everything need to be out there without talking to a single teacher and see if that's possible, that's insane. And thankfully, according to that article on KSLA, he's now writing an amendment that would change that and make it just about curricula. But then that's kind of a moot point because the curricula, the standards, the content, everything like that, it's already available by the state. It's already made available by the state. You have state standards you have to apply, the things you have to teach. The state has those rules and standards, especially in the the core areas. In the non-core areas, it's a little bit different. You need to try to make that a little bit more available. Two th- I'm sorry, not I can't give you the number. We've got about 15 seconds left. Thank you guys very much for listening today. 23 hours, we will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, Twitter, at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can also find me, if you want to email me, joe at redstate.com. And if you miss any part of this show or any previous show, Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. Tune in tomorrow when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL.